Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Backwards in High Heels. I'm Jenny Gatone. I'm here with my host, RNA Chubb. And today, our guest, we are so honored to have Richard Ojeda with us, a retired U.S. Army former state senator whose bill in his first session made West Virginia the 29th state to become legal for medical cannabis. As a congressional candidate who is number one out of all 435 congressional races in turning red votes blue, he is married to Kelly Ojeda and currently has two children in college. Please welcome to our show, Richard Ojeda. Thank you very much for having me on there. Uh, Pleasure is ours. Perfect. So right off the bat, sir, who is Richard Ojeda? Well, uh, I was basically born in Rochester, Minnesota at the Mayo Clinic, but as soon as uh, I was born, uh, my father left for the military, and my mother moved my sisters and I back to West Virginia. Uh, I was uh, raised in Logan County, West Virginia, and upon graduation, really had very few options, and that's just how it is in in southern West Virginia. I tell people all the time it was dig coal, sell dope, join the Army, so – I made the decision to join the military, and it was probably the best decision that I ever made. Uh, Uncle Sam has allowed me to see the world. Uh, Uncle Sam has allowed me to become educated, and you know, I, I was able to, you know, uh, I, I, I met my wife, uh, married, and, and and was able to 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 raise a family. And and I and I, I'm very thankful for the military for doing that. Uh, and then. Once I retired from the military, I looked around and realized that there was a lot of things that needed to be done that were not being addressed. Uh, people that called themselves leaders that, in my opinion, were not leaders at all. So I started to challenge these people, and eventually I was able to become successful and and get into politics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a question for you. You grew up in a Democratic family, but you voted for Trump. Why? Yes, uh, obviously 100% Democrat all the way. Uh, but, you know, when it comes down to that election, uh, for me, it was looking around at the people that I knew and I loved. You know, I come from Logan County, West Virginia. I live in the coal fields, and I know that there's a lot of people out there, including myself, that realize that, you know, we need to transition away from coal because coal is a resource that isn't going to uh, – it's, it's lost its, its, its power. Uh, natural gas is overtaking it. But at that time, you know, we had coal miners that were struggling greatly. And when coal miners struggle, when coal miners don't have work, People don't have money to shop in mom-and-pop stores, and all of a sudden, those places have, you know, closed signs on the front windows. Uh, People basically pick up and leave and start moving away. You know, I live in an area where, you know, we have historically lost more people, you know, every year than any other state. Oh, my. So, you know, I'm looking around at these people. And then it's the it's the election, and you have one candidate. And look, this has nothing to do with the you know putting a lot of miners out of work. We know that that was taken out of context. But the one thing that she was talking about doing in West Virginia was job training. But the jobs that we're training for do not exist in West Virginia. So basically, I'm going to send you to training. And when you graduate from that training, you can either leave and go to another state and get a job. Or you can stay in West Virginia where you own land, where, you're, where you own a home, and if you don't go, you know, if you don't leave and go get work elsewhere, well, we're just sorry because we, we trained you for something. And then the other candidate was talking about, I'm going to actually put you back to work. You know, I didn't like the things that he was saying, uh, but at the end of the day, I had to look at, family members and friends and say he's the guy that's saying that he's going to actually give them an opportunity to work. You know, don't hate the coal miner. Do not hate the coal miner. 
who's just trying to get a job and work in an occupation that's the only occupation that we have down here other than medical that you can actually make a, a really nice wage and, and raise your family. You know, I know it's feast and famine in, in many ways, and, and that's a big reason because of what they've done to unions in our state. But I will tell you that, you know, my decision was solely focused on that, and it was not long. It did not take me long at all to realize that, my goodness gracious, it was the worst decision I ever made. Okay, that's fair. That's completely fair. Yeah, it sure is. I, I really wanted to know the answer to that. Yeah. It's been tough, believe me. It's It's been tough because I stand up and I try to fight back right now when I see the, the horrible things that he does. And you'd be amazed at how many times I get the response of, well, you supported him, and I got it. I got it, you know. But let me tell you something. There was a significant amount of Democrats, about a third of Democrats, that ended up supporting Donald Trump. And the truth is, is rather than stand and say, you people were stupid, you made a horrible mistake, how about realizing, hey, have you woke up? Have you seen the light? Because if you have, come back over here, and let's get things right again. Absolutely. Powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that a, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. Yeah. Amen. Um, so you got a master's degree in West Virginia University in business and organizational security. So it doesn't really sound like something like as a child you said, I want to do that. So what prompted a degree in that? Well, believe it or not, it wasn't from West Virginia. I got uh, my bachelor's degree from West Virginia State University, but I got my master's degree at Webster University, uh, and that was when I was in uh, the Command General Staff College. When you are a major in the United States Army, you have to go and get certain types of training. Every every it's like a, it's like a stair steps. You know, when you become a, a, a officer, you got to go to the basic officer course. When you're a captain, you go to the advanced officer course. When you are a major, it's the command general staff college. And while you're at the command general staff college, they tell everybody that, you know, this is the greatest year of your life because you get to focus on your family. And it does sound like a great opportunity. But if you want to be able to compete for the promotion to lieutenant colonel, you need a master's degree. So what I did was I ended up taking night classes the entire year, and business and organizational security was one of the uh, uh, courses that they offered. And I enjoyed that uh, program because, obviously, you know, uh, in the military, security is a big deal. Uh, and this went through many different levels. Uh, of security, uh, I wrote uh, my, my 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 thesis. You know, everything was focused on. I started it with Abu Ghraib. Uh, you know, talking about security in terms of prisons and and, and how things can go wrong. Uh, but it was very interesting to me. Uh, you know, all the different types of security, computer, uh, you know, security thing. You know, making sure things like that are safe your, for your businesses. It was just a it was just a great opportunity for me to. To, to obtain a master's degree in something that I really thought was interesting. And it was interesting. Every single uh, uh, different, every one of my teachers was a professional that, I, I, I think you just have to look at it as in terms of the military spares no expense when it comes to education. They bring the best of the best to be the instructors. They do that for the schools, but they also do that for the college courses. Uh, the person that was the basic, basically the warden over top of the United States Disciplinary Barracks, Leavenworth, he was one of my instructors. The sheriff of Kansas City, Missouri, was one of my instructors. So it was really, really interesting, and it was a wonderful – I mean, it was tough because I had to take – you know, I spent all day in CGSC, and then when I went home, I ate with my kids, and then I had to go right back for another four hours of night classes, and I did that for the entire year I was there. So there was no family time really for Richard Ojeda 
uh, and relaxed time. It was just go, 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 go. But in the end, you know, I, I was able to, to graduate with my uh, uh, my master's degree. And I did retire as a major, but I did get selected also for promotion of lieutenant colonel. I just chose to go ahead and retire because I wanted to finally get better time with my family. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course. Now, um, absolutely. Then, actually, I would like to veer off a bit with with your experience and your service, which thank you for your service. Um, recently, we have seen a an absolute exodus in um, in um, public servants on a federal level in computer security, both with elections and in general. Is that something that you find concerning with your experience and your education? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, personally, me, when I, when I think about people serving in the, in, in the members, of, members of Congress, you know, in the Senate, you know, I want to have people that understand what service really is. You know, it, it can't always be about me. Uh, that's one of the things I loved about the military so much. Uh, you know, it, it was it was all about you know you had a mission. We had values, and that value system was loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. And people that come up through the military rank, they don't just learn those words; they must live those words. You know, you, you're not you're not going to get soldier, sailor, airman, or marine if you go against our value system. That's just the way that it is. And, you know, I'm seeing people coming up today that, you know, have no background in those values, and I think we can clearly see it. Now, I will tell you, there's also some that have no excuse to know better, to not know better, and yet they still do the things that they do. I am absolutely livid, and I'm going to say it. I'm absolutely livid at people like Lindsey Graham, who technically served in the military. He's a retired colonel. Uh, You know, that guy was given a bronze star because he went and spent four months in Afghanistan, you know. But the thing to me is, is I see his actions and the things that he's doing defending Donald Trump that tells me this guy has no absolute care about the value systems that we have in the military. And to be honest with you, he, 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 for me, I look at him and say, yep, he's a guy that joined the military as a lawyer to check the block. He's used his military so-called service so that he can say, I'm one of the veterans and get the veterans to support me, but his actions have never been about how veterans are. And right now, as far as I'm concerned, they're nowhere near. I think it's absolutely sickening with his actions. And I'll be honest with you, too. My proudest moment in the last 10 years was walking through the airport in in the, uh, 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 Charlotte, North Carolina, and I looked him right in the eyes. He was walking past me, and I called him an a-hole. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I love it. Good for you. I wish I had an opportunity like that. Good, good for you, sir. Good for you. Good for well, you. Hopefully, the people yeah. of South Carolina will will be able to do it. Yeah, I definitely need them to step up. I think they will. They have a good candidate. I now, agree. I of, agree. Yeah, I like him a lot. Now, um, one of the big feathers in your cap as a state senator was legalizing marijuana during during your tenure. So what prompted that move? And talk to us about that. Well, this is this is going to be kind of funny. You know, when you run for office, you're out there, you're campaigning, and all of a sudden you win. So here I am, a brand-new freshman state senator in West Virginia, and I'm sitting in my office, and I'm thinking, how do you send it? You know, what what am I going to do now? I won, but now what am I going to do? And, you know, all of a sudden, a guy pokes his head into my office. He's got dreadlocks, a tattoo on his face, and he says, 
would you like to have a conversation about medical cannabis? And I thought to myself, I had just thrown big energy out of my office. And he was actually nervous, and he'll tell you that he was worried, but he realized, what do I got to lose? So he asked me. So I said, come on and have a seat. So, you know, I'm looking at this guy like, you know, can I really take him serious? You know, I mean, the guy's got a tattoo on his face. And all of a sudden, he starts talking about how he survived cancer. What? By using cannabis. He's a, oh, his wow. name is Rusty Williams. Rusty Williams, and he's running for House of Delegates in West Virginia. Oh, we got to share that. He's wonderful. Wow. I love him. I'll tell you right now, me and him, me and him are, are, are bound together. Uh, he is, I, I love him like a brother now. He is highly intelligent. But he started talking to me about how he broke the law while he was going through chemotherapy and self-medicated with cannabis. And then he started talking about people with multiple sclerosis, people with severe ADHD, Parkinson's disease, Crohn's disease, epilepsy. And then he said post-traumatic stress disorder. And at that moment, it was like a light, you know, a, a, a light was turned on. And I thought to myself, 22 veterans are committing suicide every single day in the United States of America because of PTSD. So immediately I said – Wait, say that number again. 22 veterans are committing suicide every day in this country due to PTSD. Appalling. So That's a high at that moment, day. in one day, in one day, one day, every day, and it was like immediately I was like, that's my mission. That's my mission. As a brand-new freshman state senator, I'm going to fight for medical cannabis. And then I went, and I started talking to some of the other delegates, and not delegates, but senators, and they told me, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. You don't want to anger the wrong people. It'll never pass. They're gonna, they'll attack you. They'll do everything in their power to make it to where it's not going to happen. But let me tell you something. I'm not like your typical politicians. I am not. If I believe in something, I will absolutely fight you for it. So I put the bill forward, and we submitted it. And a couple of weeks went by, and nothing. Nothing was done. I would go and talk to some of the people behind the scenes, and they'd say, oh, okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get it going. We're going to get it going, but nothing ever happened. And then finally, I said, you know what? The bill, when it, when it was put, to, you know, when, they finally, when the bill finally goes up, it basically says, okay, it's going to go to judiciary. It's going to go to health and human resources, blah, blah, blah. Well, that bill went to health and human resources, which is? Senator, uh, shoot, I'm sorry, I, name's the uh, tip of my tongue, of course, but uh, the, he, okay. the senator, that senator is the chairman for the Health and Human Resources Committee, so I went to him on the floor, and I said, why are you not running my bill? And he looked at me and said, because Big Pharma don't like it. And I looked at him and I said, well, I'm not in the pockets of Big Pharma. Are you? So then I turned around, and I walked back to my desk, and as soon as we gaveled in, I grabbed the microphone and stood up, and I started ripping people a new one. And I started doing that over and over and over again. And every day I would stand up, and I would give a little speech about how this helps people and how, you know, you show me somebody that's got pe – you show me a firefighter or a police officer that's done that job, a first responder that's done that job for 10 years, and I'm going to show you somebody who has a hard time sleeping at night. It's not just soldiers that go through post-traumatic stress disorder. You show me a person that's been in a battered relationship. You show me a person that's survived a horrific crash or things like that. You show me a police officer that's had to, that's had, that's had to show up on the scene of, of brutal murders where, where, where women and children were killed. You show me a firefighter that's had to, to cut lifeless bodies out of a vehicle. I'm going to show you somebody who struggles. Exactly. And Absolutely. I just kept hammering it, kept hammering but well, what happened was, was all of a sudden, the people started getting involved. And they didn't want to push my bill. But all of a sudden, 
they were shutting down the computers and phone lines because they were nothing but phone calls and emails, people saying, pass the bill, pass the bill, we deserve this. And that's what it was. And eventually, lo and behold, they all basically got together and said, if we vote against this, we're going to catch hell. So we better support it. And they went through and they supported my bill and my bill passed. And, you know, I, I think I'm very proud to say that, uh, you know, as a freshman senator, I got probably the most uh, progressive, uh, controversial bill passed in my first session as a brand-new freshman senator, which I, I think you're going to find it very rare that any freshman senator ever gets a bill passed. And I got the most controversial one passed, so pretty proud about that. And, you know, at, no matter Absolutely. what, at the end of the day, when I look in the mirror, I can tell myself I made my state better. The 29 states have become legal for medical cannabis, and that was because of me. And I'm that's, proud of that. Me and Rusty Williams and the people that got behind me. That's absolutely incredible. And I agree, you made your state a better place. That's wonderful. Wonderful. And then in that vein, oh, God, you're welcome. In that vein, you're a former teacher. So tell us about, tell us about your teaching career and then your support, your support from and, and for teachers and educators. Well, you know, when I retired from the military, I come back to West Virginia, Logan County, and started a JROTC program. So for me, that was a phenomenal opportunity because it was like going from civilian or going from military to civilian, but I still got to wear my uniform. I still got to talk about military. I still got to talk about value systems because that's what you do. You teach the kids about the value system. You, you put them on a path towards graduation, things of that nature, and it was something that was very easy for a person retiring from the military to, to transition to. So every day during lunchtime, I would always sit during lunch with teachers and the principal. And every single day, it was the same thing. P-E-I-A, low pay, no respect, always under attack. So, you know, I was blessed because I don't fall under P-E-I-A. I'm the VA. So I'm retired military. I don't have to deal with the stuff that's going on. And, of course, my pay was different than an average teacher's pay. So I wasn't going through the things that they were going through. But it didn't mean that I wasn't sitting side by side with them and working every day with them trying to help put kids on a better path. You know, don't ever think about just teachers and not also remember school service personnel. I will tell you that where I come from in southern West Virginia, the only decent meals many of these children get are prepared right there in that school. That's fact. And I'll tell you there's rules that says that you're not allowed to give kids so much, but I can tell you where I come from, hey, if a kid wanted something more, all they had to do was say the word, and they got more because those cooks absolutely refused to let a child leave hungry. And I loved them for it. And when I started fighting, I fought for them too. It's the bus drivers that are driving our kids safely to and from school on some of the worst roads on the planet. The special needs aides get punched, kicked, have to change diapers, and this is at high school level. And they deserve respect. And you can go on and on. You can't, even, you can't even open a school if the secretaries don't come to work. So all these things that I got to see serving side-by-side side with teachers put, put them, gave them a place in my heart. So when I'm sitting there on the Senate floor and I'm hearing that they're pushing legislation over in the House side, that is going after tenure, and when you go after tenure, all you're doing is saying, look, you've been here a long time, you've seen everything, you know what right looks like, but I just don't want to hear you have to tell me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do away with tenure so you'll keep your mouth shut. That's all it is. 
It's trying to close the, uh, shut the, 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 uh, the voices of the people that have been there the longest. So that's mm-hmm. bothering. And then I'm thinking about the Go 365, and that is absolutely when you tell a person outside of West Virginia about Go 365, they literally look at me and say, You're, you must be stupid. You must be stupid. Because it's impossible for anything like that to ever be pushed. You must have read that wrong. You don't understand. And I'm like, no, this is the deal. Go 365 was a program that they were trying to initiate that said, by this date on the calendar, every teacher – and school service personnel must have an iPhone and a Fitbit. Okay, well, you what? know, most people, most people can't right. afford an iPhone. Yeah, most people can't afford an iPhone and a Fitbit, especially on a teacher's salary where we're 48th in the nation. And, oh, by the way, remember, you're also talking about school service personnel that don't make nowhere near what teachers make. But Absolutely. you also, when you, get this, when you get this iPhone and Fitbit, you've got to give us information. I want to know your weight. I want to know your, your, your chest size, your hip size. Now, hey, if you lose five pounds, here's a $20 gift card to Walmart. But if How you gain five pounds, you gain five pounds, your premiums are going to go up. I don't know about you, but where I come from, most of our teachers that are qualified in English, science, and math have left. So the, yeah. Because they go for greener pastures. But for the ones that are still here, their classrooms are bursting at the seams. You've got a certified English teacher. So we've got to make sure that that English teacher teaches as many kids as we can because we only got two. So they pack their classrooms, and they got 45, 50 kids per class, seven classes a day. So when they get off work at the end of the day, and they had assignments that they gave, what do you think they're going to do? you think they get to run off and go work out at the gym? No. They don't get to take care of their health because they're too busy grading papers until their head hits the pillow. And that's the way that it is. So what, ha- what about them? And that was just eating me alive that they were pushing something like that. If, if you know, if my – I don't want – you know, if my wife was a teacher, I wouldn't want her chest size sent to some random person. And it's nobody's business what my wife weighs. I love her no matter what. So that bothered me. So I stood up. Well, first off, I'm sitting next to Senator Wolfel. And he's from Huntington, West Virginia. He's a phenomenal senator. And he was like, he, he was always the one. I looked at him and I said, somebody, was, somebody had stood up and was talking about education. And it was he was a Republican, and it was a, they, I could tell they were basically just lining things up to where they were going to try to push some garbage bills. And I looked at Wolfo and I said, and I said, I'm gonna say it. Well, I said, I can't take this, you know what, sh, you know, anymore. I'm going to say something. And he looked at me and he said, "You go get him, Tiger." So I jump up and I give this speech and I say the S word. And I had no clue that when I got home after driving from the Capitol, I would get a message that said, we are meeting tonight in Mingo County, and we want you there. Mingo County was – part of Mingo County was in my senatorial district, so I went. I I also saw that the video of me giving this speech was boom. I mean, it was like it had been seen many, many, many times. So it caught fire. Well, I drive to this location, and it's packed with teachers, union reps, uh, and these people were mad. And apparently, you know, my speech was just what they needed to kind of light that match and get them going. So when I left there that night, I said, they're going to strike. And the next day, Mingo County was out. And in four days, in four days, it was like almost about five days later, all fifty-five counties were on strike, and you had twenty-some thousand teachers storming the Capitol, 
and it was just an amazing sight to see. It was a beautiful thing to see everybody standing together in solidarity. It was amazing to look outside, and instead of – you didn't just see teachers. You saw the United Mind Workers of America, the Communication Workers of America, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. You saw teamsters, carpenters, pipe fitters, border makers. You saw unions all the way standing side by side with other unions, the WVSSPA, the, the WVEA, and the AFT. And it was a beautiful sight to see, and that's what scared these legislators. When they say all those unions together, they were like, man, if we don't do something, we are done. And that's why yeah. – in the end, the teachers won that fight. That's awesome. I can I can almost. Wow. I'm not surprised that they. I mean, you know, saying that it came on the morning after you gave a speech. I mean, just this just this interview has been full of passion, and I can hear it in your voice. So being in the same room with you about Absolutely. an issue that is affecting my livelihood, I can just imagine what they felt. So. I, mm-hmm. I just I think it's great. Well, you know, yeah. when it comes to passion, uh, I, I will tell you that you know, I spent 24 years, I spent literally almost my entire adult life serving this nation, and that's what um, to me I, I feel like I have to continue fighting for that. You know, my oath does not end on retirement; it continues, and. I, you know, I, I think it's just how I am. I'm a very passionate person. If I believe in something, I'm not going to back down. Yeah. You are definitely now, a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, and I'm just I struck hope. by your absolute, I'm, I'm struck by your absolute empathy for everyone. Everyone. Well, I mean, I mean, everybody matters. I mean, you know, uh, you know. Some people don't know their worth, and they will go through life, and they will not know their true worth. And if I have the ability to speak to someone and can help them find that so that they can become passionate about what they do, to me, that's one of the greatest – you know, that's the – that's the greatest thank you of all. They don't have to say it. It's me knowing that they're now doing something that they love, and it and it's and it's good for other people. I, I just to me, I, I, that's just how I feel. I, I think everybody has worth. You know, I, I you know, you talk about play countries like J- Japan. You know, the man that walks out on the sidewalk with a little uh, pickup pan and a brush, and he's picking up trash. People treat that man or woman with the utmost respect because that man or woman may be just picking up trash on the sidewalk, but they're making sure that that sidewalk stays clean so that everybody can walk down that sidewalk and not have to step over trash. And that's why in Japan they give those people the utmost respect and treat them like they are no different than a doctor going to work. And that's what needs to happen. If you're ever in to get out there and work and do things and help people, then you deserve to have the respect that everybody else does. And our teachers, you cannot become a lawyer without a teacher. You cannot become a doctor without a teacher. So why do we treat our teachers with so little respect? Unacceptable. That's a good question. Completely. Well, I want to add this, too, and I I don't want to take – I know there's a lot of questions, but – you know, when you look at occupation or you look at degrees, a high school diploma merits this much money. An associate's degree brings a little bit more than a high school diploma. A bachelor's degree brings more than an associate's degree. A, a doctorate brings – or a, a, a master's brings more than a bachelor's, and a doctorate brings more than a master's degree. And each level is looked at as an elevation in pay. If if, that, if you talk to a doctor and a lawyer and say, why do you make so much money? They say, well, it's because of the education that I hold. Okay. So why isn't it that way for teachers? Because most teachers that I know have a master's degree plus 45, but yet they live in poverty. That is not right. No. You're absolutely right. It's not. That's, you're incredible, and you're exactly who should be a public servant. Exactly who should be a public servant. Well, thank you. 
You're no, no, you're welcome, sir. Um, well, at this point, we would like to turn things over to our special guest, April Edwards. April. Hi. What's up, April? Hey, Richard. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever called you that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my questions, I mean, I think they're easy, but, you know, maybe they, maybe they are. <laughs> I've, asked, I've asked some of them before. But anyway, um, so, okay, do you just want me to go ahead and start asking you questions? Or yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll just go ahead and get into it because, you know, how I am, uh, I'll West Virginia style and ask you, how do you feel about President Trump, and it's very hard for me to say that P word in front of his name, pardoning a war criminal, and how does this impact the ways in which soldiers in the military will feel towards their position? Well, that war criminal actually walked by a wounded prisoner of war and stabbed him to death. That war criminal had his sights tampered with by his fellow Navy SEALs in order to try to cut down the murders. That war criminal was basically reported by his team that he served with. Donald Trump pardoning that war criminal basically sent word throughout the entire military that as long as maybe Trump is in office, it's okay to commit acts, senseless acts of violence. Let me tell you something. When the Abu Ghraib prison issue broke out, where they the photographs surfaced of naked prisoners stacked on top of each other, you had... Uh, I believe her name was Jessica England, pointing at the private parts of a naked prisoner. In the culture, the Arabic culture, that is absolutely as taboo as you can get. And when those pictures surfaced, the, the ramifications that people don't understand, but people like me do, because I was an engineer officer, a combat soldier that traveled the roads of Iraq every single day. And when that, when that scandal broke out with those pictures, it infuriated the, the culture. And what it did was it turned the IEDs, improvised explosive devices, that have been used to kill and maim so I have been in two explosions. I have suffered two traumatic brain injuries. doesn't mean that I lost intelligence. It just means that I have dizzy issues. Uh, I have a hard time remembering names, things like that. Mm. Wow. But what you must understand is that the IEDs went from the teens, teens, like 16, 17, 18, 19 this week, to the thousands. Now think about that. Wow. And that's what happens. That's what wow. when this guy is randomly murdering people, shooting a little girl that was walking by a stream that was twelve years old, what he he may have thought that might have been funny. Yep, I killed her. He may have thought that when he said that. But the truth is is everybody in that village thought, Why? A twelve year old girl. That immediately turned every single person in that village against the American forces, and potentially, probably, cost people their lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I so I think it's sickening where we have a man that's the commander-in-chief that has about as much experience with military as a, as a four-year-old child that's got a bag of plastic army men. He thinks that he <laughs> is being popular by doing these things, but for someone like myself, I find it sickening. And I'll tell you right now, every single person that is sitting in jail in Leavenworth, Kansas, Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, at the United States Disciplinary Barracks, every single person that is in there that did not 
walk up and stab a captured, wounded prisoner or shoot a 12-year-old girl or other things that Gallagher did should be asking, when am I getting my pardon? Because I didn't do nothing nowhere near what that guy did. So think about that. Donald Trump has basically destroyed good order and discipline in the military with his actions. And I abhor his actions. We definitely wanted to get your opinion on that because we've been seeing, you know, obviously there's some strong opinions out there. And it's, you know, as as someone who served in the military, I, I knew that you would have strong opinions a lot, and I definitely definitely wanted you to convey your your thoughts. And what you just said yeah. really changed even my thought process on this. So I'm glad we asked you that. Well, thank you. Um, and I, I was going to say that's that's how I got I got started talking to. Mr. Richard Ojeda, I'll have to say it. Uh, anyway, because I was um, really curious about the way that Trump was manipulating the military as well. So, um, And yep. my next question is kind of building on the first question. Um, I'm just going to outright ask you something that we've talked about and we'll talk about in length again. Um, why do you think that Trump is pimping our military out to Saudi Arabia? Well, I think that I think that the reason why our forces went to Saudi Arabia was really not thought out at all. I think that what it was was he wanted to pull our forces back from Syria, possibly because yep. of things that we've now you know, started to hear, uh, where basically Turkey wanted him to do so, and he had no place to put them. So he sent them to Saudi Arabia and said they're guarding oil fields. But in reality, I think that was a knee-jerk reaction because, you know, the first thing they tried to say was, oh, look, Donald Trump is trying to pull people away from uh, uh, these endless forever wars. Well, if you're going to do that, then why don't you start in Afghanistan where we're paying contractors billions of dollars to build roads through areas where the villages only own two donkeys and a cart. Wow. And I know this because I've been there, I've, I've, I've lived in those places, and I, I've seen it. And I've, I've, I always ask myself, why are they building roads here? These people don't even want these roads. Many of the people in Afghanistan... So the, vehicle, so the roads what? are just for the, the military vehicles then, right? Well, I mean, there's, there's cars and things over there, but most people don't okay. own cars. They're poor. I didn't think it's, a very, it's a very poor country. You know, but what this is is this is providing an opportunity for contractors to basically continue making money hand over fist while our military provides security for them, and it's really sad because it wasn't too long ago we lost two soldiers from the 82nd Airborne Division, the unit in which I served in, and you realize that they lost their lives because it was out there providing security for civilian contractors that are making billions of dollars. Only thing is, is those soldiers, because they were like E-4s, were probably only making about $30,000 a year. Wow. So they're over there risking their life to protect these contractors that are making billions while they're making $30,000 a year. When they get killed, it's, eh, here's a here's a bronze star and a purple heart. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the contractors just continue on with business. Give us a couple more soldiers back so we can replace these ones that got lost, and let's, let's keep yeah. doing business. If Donald Trump, Donald Trump tried to come off like he was going to pull people away and stop a forever war, but that's not true. That was his excuse when he realized that he had to, he had, he had to do something quick because that's what Turkey wanted him to do. Right. So, you know, then they put him in, in, in down in, in Saudi Arabia. There's no, let me tell you, there's a, he has no desire. He has no desire to put a stop to anything that is allowing these contractors to make money hand over fist while our blood, sweat, and tears protects them to do so. I believe that's exactly right because he is Captain Bonesworth. I mean, yeah. <laughs> He well, I mean, he, he just visited his second combat zone in oh. three years. I mean, I'm just it just amazes me, you know. And then and then acts like you know it's like we should be bowing down to him. I mean, come on, you got troops in combat. 
You should be going over there every holiday. Every. Mm-hmm. At least. I mean, or at least, you know, try not to go visit Russia on the 4th of July, John Kennedy. Just give it a <laughs> shot. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, my word. Okay. Um, Richard, yeah. I'm kind of switching. Oh, sorry. No, 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 go, go ahead. ahead. I want to, I want to, I want to ask you a couple of questions because we're almost out of time. Um, okay. So yes. I, yeah. No, no problem. Um, thank you, April, so much. I appreciate you asking. You are welcome. Questions. Um, in light of Kamala dropping out, Richard, I think it's time that we revisit a quote of yours that went viral back in January of this year, and it's that you said, "If you don't have vast wealth or influence, it is virtually impossible to become president." Do you feel there is anything that voters or Kamala's campaign could have done differently, or what's her campaign doing from the start? Uh, well, I mean, you know, Kamala was—I mean, I, other than other than listening to to, to the, the the debates and things like that—I mean, I, I I think I think that I mean she's she's part of I mean she's she's part of the machine. Now this is nothing against Kamala. This is nothing against people that are there. There's people that are running for the presidency of the United States of America that are senators and members of Congress. You know the the the, the issue is, you know, in certain areas. I mean, I don't know what what Kamala did to to to, to elevate herself to that level. But the problem that we have in this country is that the average citizen. If you don't have wealth or power, then you practically don't have a chance. When I threw my hat in the ring to run for the presidency of the United States of America, I did so because over the course of the last 18 months that I ran for Congress, the one thing I learned was that the people, the problems that we have here in southern West Virginia are the same problems that you have in Michigan, the same problems you have in California, the same problems you have in Idaho. So I said, I'm going to go ahead and run. I'm going to run, and I'm going to, I'm going to have my voice heard. And I quickly learned, I quickly learned that because I didn't come from wealth, because I didn't right. have powerful backing, I wasn't even, I mean, you think about this. Everybody that listened to the things that I said agreed with me. Have I said anything here today that makes you think I don't like that guy? Not because a thing. I don't. No, nope. I don't think I have. You've even said you. I think that you. You said I should be a representative. Yep. But the I problem did. is, is that if you don't have wealth or power, they didn't even. I was on Meet the Press, State of the Union, Van Jones. The uh, the Morning Joe. I was on those shows. Do you know that nobody even listed me as a presidential candidate until the day I suspended my race? And I suspended my here. race. No, and they, the, first, the only time anybody said presidential, it was Chuck Todd on Meet the Press. And he said, he said, presidential candidate Richard Ojeda has suspended his race. First time that that was ever said. And the truth is, is that's wrong. Because I went on their shows, and I did really well on those shows. And the things that I said on those shows were true. You know, there was a lot of things that I said that went viral on those shows. And mm-hmm. the thing is that they refused to give me a say. If I would have went to that debate, I'm going to tell you this. If I would have went to that debate... The first debate, I can guarantee you, I would have been the one that they were talking about when it was over with, because I, I was right. ready. And let me tell you something: I support Democrats, but make no mistake about it, there's a lot of Democrats out there that do things that I disagree with. Totally, and I'm going to tell you about that. Do yeah. what? Totally agree with you on that. There's problems in that. Right. I was going to tell them. Let me tell you something. I, you know, I hope Beto O'Rourke turns. The 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 Texas State House blue, but the truth is, is on the first debate what they say, Beto York, what is the worst problem that we face today? What do he say? Climate change. Okay, sounds good, right? You agree with it? I agree with it. But tell me yeah. something. Do you th- do you think somebody's going to actually fight climate change? 
that takes more money from freaking big energy than anybody else in Congress? Because that's what he does. Yeah. That's true. So he's oh. not going to fight. He's not going. He's not going to fight climate change. He's going to come up with excuses as to why they could not do anything, and it's going to be another so many years of us doing the same thing, going down the same road. Don't wow. tell me you're going to fight the opioid epidemic that is destroyed. We've lost more lives than all the lives lost during the Vietnam War two years in a row, and we're going on a third. Who's the enemy here? Big Pharma's the enemy. But don't you tell me you're going to fight the opioid epidemic when you take money from Big Pharma. Cory Booker Boom. and Carmela Harris. I can't argue with that at no. all. So that's my thing. Don't I, I'm tired of people talking about it. Don't talk about it. Be about it. We got problems in this country, and this country's going to fall if we don't come together and do right. Right now, we got a madman that is at the is at the helm, and what we need to do right now is we need to come together as Democrats. And we need to do everything in our power to vote this guy out. The days of basically just going and casting your vote are over. You've got to start educating people. Don't let people share memes that you know are wrong without question, without straightening them. When it comes time to vote, if you've got a four-seater, fill it with people to go to the polls. Cast your votes. Don't let one single Democrat sit on their couch this year. No excuse. Vote. If they can't vote, make them vote early. Early voting. That's the only way we're going to take this country back. Because if we don't take this country back, I'm telling you right now, I don't know if we can take another four years of what we got. But we are resilient. We will survive. And there's no question in my mind that we cannot take another four years of this. We cannot. We will not survive it as a nation. We will have destroyed ourselves. So we're basically going to implode is what's going to happen if if that is the case. Well, but but you know, but that's the thing though is you we gotta we gotta stand strong and make sure that we're not being duped. That happened in West Virginia after the teacher strike. I would have bet my life that we were going to turn the House and the Senate blue. Yeah. Jim Justice yeah. had a daggone uh, uh, event where he had all the Republicans standing behind him, and he says, "You guys reelect these people, I'll give you another five percent pay raise," and everybody oh. fell for it. Everybody wow. fell for it. They reelected every one of them Republicans. And what they do? They said, okay, here's your pay raise bill. Oh, we're adding charter schools on top of it. Oh. <laughs> so that's the thing. We Make no mistake about it. The, the, the Republicans are going to be trying to play tricks. Oh, and we got to be strong enough to not fall for we it. Be ready. We definitely got to be ready. Now, Eric London, I'm not sure if you know who this is, but he wrote an article for the World Socialist website, and, pu- and it was published by the International Committee of the Fourth International. He called you a capitalist and said you're not a fighter for the working class. Were you aware I of this article? What would you like to say in your defense? You tell, him, you, tell him, you tell him to come get my face and call me a capitalist, and I'll show him how to really fight. I don't know how to respond to that. That's so basic. Are you aware I love of it. West Virginia style right there. Airborne. Like to the core. Were you even aware? Do you know who I'm talking about? Were you aware of this article? I wasn't. Okay, I'm going to send you a link to it just so you can see it, but I'm going to make sure that we let Eric know that you're not having his bullshit. Yeah, you let him know, point blank. He, he, he has no clue. <laughs> I love it. I, I knew I knew you were gonna have a response to that. Um, so my I have I do have a lot more questions, but unfortunately we are out of time. I'm gonna ask you one more question, and I would like to ask you to come back on in January yes. to finish these yes. questions. Would you be okay with that? Absolutely. Perfect. So my final question to you um, is that um, you. Um, formed the principal campaign election in 2018. I want to know what that is. What is its purpose? And is it still in commission? What 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 is it say again? You formed what's called a principal campaign election in 2018. What is that? What was the purpose of that? And and, uh, and is, uh, it, is it like a yeah, is it actually a campaign that's still ongoing or was it just for your election? I, I, you said a personable. Is that what you mean? The principal no, campaign read, election. I, yeah. Yeah, I read that you formed what's called a principal campaign election in 2018. Is that a mistake? Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out what you're talking about by principal campaign. 
Hold on. Let me see. Let me go to my source so I can pull it up. All right. So it looks like, um, hold on. I got all my questions based on information I found on votejetted.com. So it was it was something that I saw on there. So I'm trying to find it again, okay? Sorry. Yeah, I mean, um, I'll, I'll skip that question. How about I skip that question and I'll save it for the next round? Let me move on to another question because I don't want that error. Okay. So, okay. I, yeah, um, I've, we've watched, um, I know I did, I watched a video of you giving your perspective on political attitudes shifting in areas that were previously considered deep red. Considering yeah. how the December debate stage is going to look, has that prediction changed, Richard? Well, I, you know, I, I think it. I think it has. I think that people are starting to wake up. Uh, I, I, it's not easy. I mean, you know, I think that you have people that refuse to pay attention. We have debates going on. That's a great opportunity to get to get to see what what these candidates think. But we have a significant amount of people that will not watch the debates, and we have a significant amount of people that refuse to do anything but follow the same garbage that we see every day on social media, uh, Fox News, things of that nature. You realize that 85% of the people that Donald Trump surrounded himself with have already been indicted or in jail, but yet we still have a significant amount of people that are saying, Trump 2020. The reason why is because they're not taking the time to look at the crimes that were committed that put these people in jail and got these people indicted because they don't care, because they don't have time to sit and listen to, to anything other than a quick go on, check their social media, read their Fox News or, or watch their Fox News, and, and that's all they do. And I'm telling you right now, I think people are waking up. I have, I have hope that people are waking up. That's what keeps me going is that I believe that there's people every single day that are finally saying, you know what, he didn't save the coal industry. We got coal mines shutting down in Logan County, West Virginia this month. You know, he didn't save the auto industry that he said was going to be working, uh, uh, you know, uh, their, their, their fingers to the bone. You know, he, right. he didn't save the farmers. We're bailing out the farmers, and, and farmers are angered right now. We're hoping that these people are saying, you know what, he was a liar. He did not follow through. Let's vote him out. And that's all we can do. And I hope that we see a bigger shift. But I will tell you, you know, it's going to be tough in some of these deep red states. All right. Makes sense. I'm, makes I'm sense. worried. I'm worried, too. But we got to get busy. That's why I say nobody's allowed to sit at home on Election Day if you're a Democrat. You've got to go vote. I'm worried, too, but... After the midterms, I am cautiously optimistic. Well, I mean, I think we all were. I, I, I'll tell you, I believe that we're going to. I believe we're going to pick up more seats in the house. I think that we're going to pick I up more too. seats in the house. But see, once again, though, it's you know, it's, it's, this is what you have to look. The the House of Representatives have passed over four hundred bills that are just sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk, and yet, you know, anywhere else in the world, we would say that's not going to happen. But we can, mm-hmm. in, in America, it's, it's, it's allowed to happen, really? I mean, people yep. should be looking at that. You know, I got people telling me all the time, well, you know, uh, 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 they never let Obama, Obama do anything. That's right, they didn't. <laughs> of course they didn't. You know, and now, now that the Democrats are, are actually getting things done, people talk about how, oh, this Congress is a do nothing. You must be out your mind. You obviously have not read anything or watched anything other than Sean Hannity. Yeah, that's true. Although, speaking <laughs> of someone who has a really good challenger, um, McConnell has a really good challenger, too. And I think he does. He does. Him. Well, she, but that's the thing. It's going to be tough. It's going to be down to the wire. But the one thing that she needs to remember is when she first came out of the gate, she shot herself in the foot. Now, she can save herself, and I think she is saving herself. But, you know, she tried to come off like she was, hey, I'm like Trump light. Bull, you know what I'm talking about. I ain't nothing Trump like. <laughs> well, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Now, we want to thank our special guest, April Edwards. You are awesome, and thank you so much for being with us today. 
Uh, Thank you for having me. Oh, God, yes, of course, anytime. And, Richard, do you have any final thoughts for us? Uh, Educate. Educate, educate, educate. If you see somebody that is sharing a meme or something online that you know is wrong, do not let it continue to go without making comment. Never walk past something you know is wrong and fail to make comment, for if you do, you have now accepted a lower standard. Stop accepting lower standards. Thank you. Hey, drop the mic. Amen. Thank you so much for being on, Richard. It has been an absolute pleasure. And I, and I will make sure that we have you back on again in January because we have lots more questions for you. Hey, I absolutely enjoy it. Uh, I've been cast. Uh, you know, you guys are letting, letting people get their voices heard, and that is absolutely crucial right now in this, in this point of time. So thank you, and you guys, you, you let me know when and where you need me, and I'll be there. I will definitely do that in the next oh, week or yeah. two. We will. Have an amazing, amazing rest of your day, April and Richard, and to the Backwards and In High Heels family. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Thank you very much.